0: This is episode 16. My guest is Judy Samuelson, founder and executive director of the Aspen Institute Business and Society Program, and a vice president at the Aspen Institute. Judy will bring into focus the profound shifts in attitudes and mindsets that are redefining our notions of what constitutes business success today and how her book, The six rules of business creating real value in a changing world reflects the new rules of business, including reputation, trust, and other intangibles that are driving business value while corporate culture is king and business as usual is not a viable option any longer. You're listening to Extraordinary Work conversations about creating change. I'm Terry Yaffe, founder of Try Coaching. Throughout my career, I've worked in many industries, from fashion to advertising to sales. I'm a certified executive, career and business coach, and a TV and podcast host. These podcasts will connect you with people who work passionately Striving to make a difference. I hope these authentic and inspiring conversations will help you channel your ability to create change in your corner of the world. Extraordinary work, conversations about creating change, is brought to you by Transcend Capital, helping people better understand new investment opportunities and wealth management by exploring high growth opportunities, commercial real estate and ways to reduce their tax exposure. Welcome Judy Samuelson. How are you? I'm fine, Terry. Good to be here. Well, thank you so much for coming and onto the podcast and having this amazing conversation that is so important and so relevant to what's going on today, for sure. So the question I always ask, tell us a bit about how you got to where you are. (laughs)
1: Well, it's been a long journey in my case. You know, I've worked, I think in some respects, I, I guess I can say a couple of things. One is I've worked across sectors. You know, I started out working in the state legislature in California after college. I went to business school and I worked in banking for seven or eight years and then in New York and then moved into kind of the investment side of the Ford Foundation, but but looking at their impact and what today would be called their impact investing, and that's really what set me on the path. So the second part of this is it. This conversation really started in my time at the Ford Foundation. Mm-hmm. But I always felt that the that having had a career that started in government, moved into the private sector, into the nonprofit sector, has helped me be able to see things from multiple perspectives, and that that's been useful in this career as well. But without a doubt, the time at the Ford Foundation, including having Ford Foundation trustees who came from large corporations, CEOs of large corporations like Cummins Engine and Xerox and Levi Strauss, they were really the ones that started posing for me these kind of questions about where does the private sector belong in this work that we're talking about at Ford? And that really started me on this path. And a question I ask is with the business
0: landscape being what it is, challenging, chaotic, crazy, and people not knowing who to turn to, you know, the media, no good, they don't give me anything, other sources. And what I wonder is if the private sector, those leaders can somehow use their voice, their platform to get a bigger message out there?
1: Well, I think they are. I Good think, to hear. I think that there's, you know, both from the vantage point of kind of consumers and, the, you know, in the broad kind of public square and from the vantage point of employees Many are looked to business to essentially say, where are you weighing in on these problems? First of all, we can't solve them without business at the table. We need business to address most of these issues, whether it's stuff that has to do with human resource, the kind of the employee base, the complex supply chain, climate, all of these things, business has a role to play in addressing all of these things. So we kind of can't do it without business. And then it happens that in the United States there's a there's a tendency to think that the private sector this may or may not always be true, but the private sector kind of moves faster, has greater capacity relative to government, feels not as stuck um, as what we're living through right now. But, you know, it's a it's an evolving game where we had some we've seen some change even in this week when it looks like we will be able to get a bill through both houses that is going to enable investment in climate change and and You know, as the story will be told, business people did lean in there and convince Joe Manchin that there was a better future than relying on old coal jobs.
0: That's great. I'm so thrilled and kind of feel better about a lot of this when there are these leaders that can take an active role. And, you know, we also hear that are here you wrote a book and the six new rules of business creating real value in a changing world and i want to read the very first couple of lines from the inside jacket which you ask tell us which of the pressing issues of our time keep you awake at night and I will tell you how the old rules of profit maximization and short-term thinking contribute to those problems. So how are these rules, problems causing serious social and environmental damage?
1: Well, the old rules are very tied into kind of, you know, what was taught when I was in business school, you know, profit maximization, kind of, what I would call a single objective function, you know, let's, let's focus on one thing and we think that this is going to ultimately, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, as they used to say. Mm-hmm. You know, single objectives, they never particularly end well. Managers in business, of course, have to be attuned if they're running, you know, complex operation, as many of these large corporations do. You know, they need to pay attention to a whole host of different kinds of inputs and realities and constraints and operating environments and license to operate wherever it is that they want to operate around the globe. You know, you can't do that by just being focused on profit maximization or share or your share price. You simply have to be taking a longer-term view. And to succeed, you've got to be you have to be taking in kind of listening more actively to a host of different individuals that have an influence on your business and who may also be pointing the way to kind of both risks and opportunities for the business. So, you know, I think, yeah, the old rules of kind of staying focused on the financial measures and forget about the rest of these things, thinking that they'll resolve in time, isn't sufficient to the challenges that business is operating in now. So what are some of the
0: shifts in attitudes and mindsets that you see that are redefining our notion of what business is today. And certainly one of them are the intangibles. We used to look at the tangibles, A, B, C, D. Now it's a whole different mindset of what these new shifts look like.
1: And they aren't as tangible. So absolutely, you know, the, the balance sheet fails to capture one of the most important assets, you know, talent, your access to kind of the people that you need to be part of the offering of the of the enterprise, you know, uh, your reputation, The again, the license to operate, you know, the ongoing ability to operate from the environments in which you need access to, whether it's minerals or natural resources of different kinds. you know. And all of this, of course, is heavily embedded in the complex relationships that of people management and people as the interface to the kind of complexity of business, whether it's serving the customer well, managing a complex supply chain and producer relationships, to the kind of relationships with governments and the like. So employees, the intangibles is one piece of the puzzle that today something like 85% of valuation of companies is actually things like that that are hard to measure that we can't necessarily explain. Uh, We used to just lump it on the balance sheet as goodwill. I think that's still kind of legal or the kind of accounting mechanism for doing so. But we know it's much more complicated than that. and, And the best managers, of course, are managing to that. But you know, we also get into some of these other things. I mean, business relationship with NGOs has changed dramatically. The ability of social media to uh, you know, give us an inside view of what's going on inside companies in domains that used to be pretty not very transparent. Well, today, business doesn't have a choice. They have to be transparent about the extent to which they are having an effect on both the human quotient you know their employees the you know communities in which they reside and again the complex access to the the hard materials that they need in order to succeed so the games have changed a lot NGOs are the interface to that supply chain responsibility is defined way outside the gate it's not um, defined by the company and employees really are absolutely essential to both defining the risks and the opportunities and giving voice to, you know, both these risks and where the company really has competitive advantage. So that is an important piece that's changed a lot.
0: Yeah, and um, it's so interesting. My last couple of of guests have really been saying and resounding almost what you've said. And they've been, some of them have been coaches who coach leaders and the challenges leaders are having in these some of these intangibles, and how are they showing up, and what needs to change for them? And one that I had talked about putting people first, in you know ahead of consumers and and other things, and people are now it sounds like currency. They are key obviously, if you want to keep talent, you better have a culture that will align with what people's values are and have them want to be there. A toxic culture, people are going to run like little ants away. And what I wonder is, did this become kind of fine-tuned with the pandemic and what we saw with people working remotely and rethinking the great resignation, the great reimagining, the great re-engineering, where people really could take stock of what they wanted from their employers and what they were willing to say yes to and what they were willing to say no to. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think it was a, I think it was an inflection point, without a doubt. I mean, we're still playing out, of course. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. I think that the pandemic revealed the extent to which companies are reliant on employees. I mean, it became, as companies started kind of reopening their doors, uh, the ability to actually provide customer service, which had to morph and change as a result of different rules and protocols. I mean, all of that was highly stressful for employees. And they needed to want to be there or they, you know, voted with their feet. So I think it, it was a moment. But I also think it's the, you know, it's this kind of the importance of climate change and that as being an existential risk and the kind of thing that's keeping people awake at night and wondering about kind of the world that we're seeing to our children, or grandchildren. I think those things are equally important and um, and takes us back to, again, to how do you fix this? You need to set, you know, you need to make sure you're aligning your your intentions and your operations. And the operating part means you need your employees at the table. I mean, who else has the eyes and ears on the on the supply chain or complex producer relationships that you need to secure in order to realize these commitments that you're making about reducing carbon, both you and and through your through your customer relationships and producer relationships? So these things are are all changing in real time and uh, people are anxious and they're impatient and employees are very much at the center of all of this. So when you decided to write your book, did you feel
0: that you were already creating change in your corner of the world by being a spokesperson and having your voice and your thinking And your knowledge be out there. And then the book kind of became an extension of, again, I think I can create some awareness and make a difference by creating a book that might create change in the universe.
1: Well, I do think um, people always say that books are good platforms, and I certainly think it has made a difference in terms of my own ability to get my own ideas out there, but also the work of, you know, I I lead an organization that's part of the Aspen Institute. There's 12 of us full time, and we've been, many of us have worked together for many years, and we work on complicated issues that take long-term staying power and require a lot of networking and convening across business and the ecosystem of business. And um, you know we affect change, and that's kind of a long-term venture. And so I've been at this book, in some ways, for a very long period of time. Um, I did finish it and write, you know, the most intensive writing period, finished under COVID, and so that was a reality. But you know, you, you don't write a book for you know to be on the shelf for two years. If you're writing a business book, you hope it's going to be out there for a long period of time. And so I resisted the idea that everything had changed and realized that. You know, I call back to stories, some of which are are decades old, but have still are still memorable in telling the story of companies that have been kind of ahead of the curve on clarifying why they exist and what needs to be true in order to realize, you know, being uh to to contribute to the commons at the same time that they're contributing to the bottom line.
0: So oh,
1: what's one piece of advice that you can
0: offer those that might want to create change within their company, within their community, what's one thing that you can, one or two things or three that you could offer up?
1: Well, I certainly think in my in my own experience, having partners who were truly complimentary Um, You know, partnerships only work when you're completing something they can't do and vice versa, in my opinion, uh, unless you're just fully aligned on everything. But they work best when you're bringing something to the table and your partner's bringing something to the table. We have a fellowship program that we call the First Movers Fellowship. And it's designed to find change agents working in large corporations and then creating kind of a platform for them to meet fellow travelers and work in a collaborative fashion across kind of learning the skills of driving change within large corporations. And, you know, I think about the ones that have succeeded. I mean, it's it's become very important to them to have this group of 20 or 21 kind of fellow travelers that they get to know through the course of a year and with whom they share a lot of their strong commitment to um, using business as a platform for driving social and environmental progress. And so it makes a big difference having partners and mentors and people that you can really use as kind of your own kitchen cabinet. You know, you need, I think the, most people find that, um, that it keeps them at the table when times are tough and maybe lifts their sights to things that they otherwise might not have thought about, but it's less lonely yeah
0: wonderful i I, i'm just sitting here just taking this all in it's just so informative and truly inspirational because as you said social impact is really important globalization is important today and how do companies bring all of that into their voices and their platforms
1: well, I think that, um, yes, we're operating in a global world. It's, of course, been this, like this for a long period of time. The rules change based on where you operate. And, and uh, in a complicated geopolitical environment, They're, they seem to be changing all the time. But I think, I think I'd just say a couple of things. One, we're never truly done here. You know, this is not a destination. It's a way of thinking and believing that business has to balance both, you know, to kind of think across various inputs in order to succeed and to be able to think long, you know, long term enough that you're actually able to make change over time. And that, but that, you know, this isn't just a win-win world. You know, you don't get there by assuming that everybody benefits. There's real trade-offs that are required today. You know, you don't, You know, businesses that succeed, that are, you know, the the definition of that increasingly, as we've talked about, is more about the human quotient here. Uh, But, you know, you don't, putting people to work reduces your profits. It doesn't increase your profits. You have to take a very long term view to see the benefit to the enterprise over the long haul. So this is, you know, it's work in process and, you know, you never quite arrive. Sustainability is a mindset, not a destination. You know, the other thing is that I'd say is that, you don't succeed today, To we can't address these incredibly complicated problems one company at a time. It really requires collaboration and co-creation. And so that's also in play. We're talking about globally, that's a different set of players that may be at the table. But even if you're not, um, you know, just to address systems that are at risk, you need everybody at the table, or everybody who touches that system, whether it's a producer group or suppliers or So companies need to be able to work in concert with their supply chain and with their with partners who can really make a difference. And so, you know, it's a different, it's not just about competition today, it's about kind of co-creation and collaboration as Mm. well.
0: Collaboration and co-creation. I love it. What else is there to say? This has been so eye-opening. And I am sure everyone that's listening or will be listening we will learn so much from this conversation. Do you have one last thing you'd like to add before we end?
1: No, I don't think so. I hope, um, I'd love to hear from people if they take a look at the book, Six New Rules of Business, Creating Real Value in a Changing World. The world is certainly changing and we need everybody at the table to be, you know, whatever role you play in this system. So I'll be eager to hear from people if they have questions about it or comments or things that this makes them think about. This
0: has been great. Thank you so much, Judy, for your wisdom, your knowledge, your expertise. I so appreciate it. Again, thank you.
1: Appreciate it very much.
0: Thank you for joining the conversation. For related content on extraordinary work, visit my website, trycoaching.com. I'll be back in two weeks with another conversation. If you enjoyed this podcast, Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to subscribe to future podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Always remember, when you work with passion and purpose, your work can become extraordinary. You'll definitely want to listen to my next episode with Paulinda Babini, President and founder of the nonprofit, the Ovarian Cancer Circle, which was inspired by her daughter, Robin Bambini, who lost her battle to ovarian cancer at age 20. Paulinda talks about her loss and how, honoring her memory and shining a light on her legacy, she found purpose passion, and commitment in heightening awareness about ovarian cancer.